Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges. Facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vichana Spline Chain. Uh, this is Nurhadi House. This is the second podcast in a series on organizational sustainability in the supply chain. If you haven't listened to the first podcast in the series, we recommend that you do so. Robert P. Pojasek, PSD, has returned to this studio to record this podcast. You will remember that Bob teaches a course entitled Fundamental of Organizational Sustainability at Harvard University for the past 18 years. He's also the Managing Director of the Center for Corporate Performance and Sustainability. Recently, Bob Pojasek became the newest member of the Education and Research Executive Board at the FICAR. Welcome back, Bob. It was interesting to learn about the high-level structure and how it provides a usable template for corporate sustainability. Yes, and we'll, get, we'll go over that. And because uh, risk is, you know, inter- actually in the high-level structure. So I didn't include it separate, but uh, people understand the risk uh, much less than mm-hmm. they understand the high-level structure. So in the first podcast, we spend most of the time considering the benefits of using the high-level structure for organizational sustainability. This podcast is linked to the LinkedIn website of the Center for Corporate Performance and Sustainability. Just go to the link, just go to LinkedIn and type in the center's name to find the link to the podcast. I mentioned effects of uncertainty and opportunities and threats in the first podcast. So let's dig a bit deeper into the risk that you deal with when working with a high-level structure. When we combine sustainability practices, sustainability programs, and contribution to sustainable development, how do we include risk and risk management programs? Well, ISO is taking care of that for us. They've built risk directly into the high-level structure. This structure defines risk in the following way. Risk is the effect of uncertainty on the ability of the organization to meet its objectives. So risk is just, you know, how do we do something in an uncertain time, but we really need to meet those objectives. And anything that gets in the way of meeting those objectives is, is a risk. It makes sense that there's always more risk uh, when there is more uncertainty. We understand this since the world we're living in contributes a large degree of uncertainty into everything we do. In the context of the high-level structure, we collect information on influences and factors that are present in the internal and external operating environment uh, of all the facilities uh, that make up the uh, products and services that are sold in commerce. So basically, you know, we're, we're looking at the neighborhoods, the towns, the regional, and we're also looking in the workplace because if you have facilities all over the world, culturally, they, they operate differently. And we need to understand to what extent it, the different uh, 
things that are going on in those areas are, are really affecting uh, what's, go what's going on in, in the risk. This creates a search for potential adverse effects, which we call threats, and potential beneficial effects, which we call opportunities. In planning uh, of the high-level structure, we apply the uncertainty assessment process to the opportunities and threats that were identified in the context. This is referred to as uncertainty analysis. This is an important part of the planning function of every organization. We talked about the first in the first podcast, many organizations create an uncertainty uh, management plan that becomes an important part of the management review process that's in the high-level structure. The top leader of every organization pays a lot of attention to the monitoring and review of the process since this person holds the accountability for meeting the objectives. People say to me, this doesn't sound like traditional risk, like uh, what most of us are familiar with. So how is traditional risk related to uncertainty risk uh, that is found in the high-level structure? It's always a good question. Traditional risk focuses only on threats. They only focus on bad things that can happen, and it searches for the losses that can occur and how insurance may be used to cover these losses. To lower the cost of insurance, companies often place controls on the processes, and these controls lessen the effects of the losses. Most of the listeners know all about traditional risks. I mean, you have them at home, you have them in your automobile, uh, they're all around you, and, and you know you're pretty much covered, and you try to protect yourself from the risks the best you can. I refer to uncertainty risk and traditional risk as the two sides of the same risk coin. So if you see heads and tails, okay, of the risk coin, you have the two risks of both the risks, but, but they're different. So when you're looking at the coin, you can only see one, you can, you, you only see one side. You can't see the other side. So it's easy to keep things straight. When the risk affects the organization's ability to meet its objectives, we're going to call it uncertainty risk. When risk affects individuals, building structures, mobility, infrastructure, or natural features such as forests and wetlands, it's traditional risk. So pretty simple. Traditional risk covers most things, except once you talk about an organization, it doesn't cover it at all. Climate risk is usually treated as a traditional risk. However, there are circumstances when uh, it can be used as an uncertainty risk. Think about situations where climate risk can present opportunities for an organization that sells equipment to companies to ease some of the impacts of, of climate, climate change and helps the organization exceed its objectives for the year. Some threat impacts of the organization can be offset by the revenue stream associated with the opportunity. So the opportunity, the whole idea is, is to look for opportunities, uh, especially the the real difficult opportunities that you probably wouldn't have been attracted to otherwise because it's going to be complicated. And then when you attain the opportunities, you offset the threats. You don't really want to look at the threats because the threats really are, um, when you solve them, they just pop back up again. That's, you know, systems thinking. Uh, it's really hard to ever really get rid of a threat. You can really minimize it. But with the opportunities, it, it you know, it minimizes it quite well.
There is an international risk management standard called ISO 31000. Many people ask me how this works uh, with the two risk programs that we've just finished describing. Up to this point, we've been talking only about risk. ISO 31000 deals with risk management associated with the effects of uncertainty. Risk management consists of a well-defined steps that support better decision-making by contributing a deeper insight into the risk and their impact on an organization. The risk management process can be applied to a situation where there's an undesired or unexpected outcome uh, that could be significant or where an opportunity has been identified. Decision makers need to use this standard to help them understand possible outcomes and steps to control their impact. So again, it's really this really uh, risk management is is pretty uh, is different. It's a, it's a bigger picture. And by the way, in the traditional risk, they don't usually call it risk management. They 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 put controls on this, and risk management is in a way putting controls on it too. But it is that the term that is used. So with the growing acceptance of ISO 31000, the risk management process in organizations is becoming an integral part of their good management practice. To optimize its effectiveness, risk management must become part of the organization's culture. It really must be part of what they do all day. You've got to be looking for opportunities. You've got to be looking for threats. You've got to be thinking about how we can take those opportunities and diminish the threats uh, to the organization so that, you know, uh, things can go as, no as normal with even though there's a lot of uncertainty around us. It should be integrated into the organization's philosophy, practices, and business plans rather than being viewed or practiced as a separate program. And, you know, people, risk management makes them upset because, gee, there's risk and risk we can't control. Well, you can control them if you, if you know what they are and you use a risk management program. So once an organization achieves this distinction, risk management becomes the business of everybody in the organization. So everybody becomes part of business. They have an old saying, as they says, uh, you know, who, who is it that does quality management in the organization? It is not the quality manager. Everybody does quality. Everybody should do risk management in the, yeah. in the same organization. ISO 31000 International Risk Management Standard has three interconnected parts. One called the, the framework, one's called the process, and then there's the principles that people use when working with the other two parts. I have described the use of ISO 31000 in a book entitled How New Risk Management Helps Leaders Master Uncertainty. Because that's a big thing. Uncertainty is not good for any organization. We look to our leaders to understand the uncertainty and to help us work around it. Large corporations use risk management as a key process within their financial and non-financial internal, internal audit program. Do they use ISO 31000 for this purpose uh, as well? 
There are two risk management standards actually in the marketplace today. We talked about ISO 31000, but there's another standard called COSO ERM. And COSO is it's an acronym for this. Uh, it's called the Committee of Sponsoring Organizations of the Treadwell Commission. So it's basically in the United States financial system uh, to prevent fraud in financial reporting. So that's a big risk to, to companies that they, they have fraud and they don't catch it and they get caught for it. Uh, so I find that ISO 31000 works uh, well when considering the risk in the internal and external context, as I've mentioned before. Furthermore, ISO 31000 is a more structured, uh, making it relatively easy for people to establish uh, the transition from recognition of risk to risk management. So this, this COSO standard now is, is really was developed for financial audits. So they would be consistent with, at least here in the United States, the U.S. financial rules that are found in a document called the Sarbanes-Oxley, that's a congressional document, uh, that requires uh, – it's, it's in its section 404. So this is typically when you're doing audits internally for the company, you spend a lot of attention to section 404. By the way, other co countries have the same thing. And again, they're really set up to prevent fraud uh, in the uh, when you're uh, reporting your uh, uh, financials to the public. Many corporations are still using an outdated form of COSO ERM. The 2017 version of this popular standard will provide the board with assurance that risk is being managed to support the report to, here in the United States, it goes to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. There is some debate as to whether the internal audit uh, has improved the use of risk management for non-financial activities. So these are things that don't affect the finance directly, uh, but affect, you know, other things that the company does. So we have financial and non-financial activities. Switching to COSO ERM 2017 will support the sustainability high-level structure program. And uh, we see a lot of companies should be moving over to this. Internal auditors have noted that some of the opportunities identified in the COSO ERM risk management can actually contribute value to the company. So basically, we think of risk is not helping. But remember, risk in, in, the, in a case for organization has opportunities as well as the threats. So how can this be true uh, uh, for the user of COSO ERM uh, actually looking at risk? COSO ERM has created something called the Enhanced Value Model with its new version in the year 2017. This model consists of six steps, and these would make sense, and it's sort of when you're using the COSO, it walks you through the six steps so that it becomes part of the system. The first thing is, is updating the company's mission and the core values. Core values are incredibly important in organizational sustainability. It's pretty much what the organization stands for, and most of the core values will be managed by the organizational sustainability. The mission gives us the objectives, which I'll talk about in a second. So the second item is identifying the company's strategy to embrace the use of a formal risk management program. Uh, so now we're going to combine strategy with risk management. So there's some teeth in the strategy to make sure it's actually working no matter what you find out there. 
The third thing is to improve the process of formulating objectives at all levels in the company and assigning accountability to the top leader of each facility. You know, people say, gee, you don't want to tell the top leader that we're giving them all the accountability, but they know that. And they know that there's a really good system behind this that's actually going to protect them and, and they're going to make sure that system's put in use so that you meet your goals at the end of the year. That's, uh, that's uh, meet the objectives at the end of the year. The fourth item is to uh, improve the performance on the use of the high-level structure presented in the first podcast using significant opportunities to offset significant threats. Then we want to enable the internal auditing to confirm the financial enhanced value associated with the structure, uh, structured sustainability program. So this would just closes the loop and lets the board of directors know that, uh, that we did it. We, uh, we use the opportunities to offset the threats and the company has actually now has some extra value due to this program. And you know, if, if if you get extra value for the program, you're much more likely to do it, and you're much more likely to pay an awful lot of attention to it. So risk becomes a key part of the high-level structure because it's the same thing. Structurally, it's looking at everything. You want to make sure you do it, and you want to make sure that you are able to prove it at the end to the board and to the public. People have been talking for years about contributing to the bottom line with a sustainability program. It can be done transparently now and with full accountability by using the method discussed in these first two podcasts. Because the sustainability high-level structure is so important to corporations, their operating facilities, and the supply chain, we will explore some system enhancements that will deliver even more value to the company while enabling the company to effectively contribute to the future uh, sustainable development. At Vichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Vichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.vicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.